Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Hmm. I, once again, am grateful. Yes, on this gray winter day, it's a new moon, and I am grateful. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we are uh, venturing deeper into the obstacles to peace. My name is Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles. I'm so grateful that we get to join together by means of this podcast and to really live a course in miracles that has become so valuable to me. I studied the science of mind for, uh, I guess, 10 years, and that was very valuable to me as well. And uh, the subsequent many uh, years, uh, many, many years of truly absorbing these teachings of A Course in Miracles, embodying them, embracing them, discovering them, sharing them has been profoundly healing and nourishing to me because I saw early on I must apply this. In fact, back in the 90s, long before I got to A Course in Miracles, that was the thing that changed everything for me. Uh, working with the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr., Doc, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and Mahatma Gandhi, those teachings of nonviolence. And I decided I'm going to live these teachings of nonviolence. I'm going to live in a nonviolent way. I began to look at everything in my life as, is it a loving choice or an unloving choice? If it's an unloving choice, I'm going to call it a violent choice. Uh, And if it's a loving choice, I'm going to call it a nonviolent choice. And I used to teach about nonviolence, and, and people would say, what does that really mean? And to me, if I'm practicing nonviolence, I'm practicing being loving. So I was doing that for almost a decade before I got to A Course in Miracles, while I was also studying to be a science of mind practitioner and a minister. And But the thing that really made such a difference for me was just deciding each and every day, many times a day, to make a more loving choice. And, of course, that's one of the the main things that we do in my year-long Masterful Living program, which begins on Monday, the 23rd of January, first class. That's also the day that registration is closing. So 
we get down to the nitty-gritty. If you're interested in any of these details, go to jenniferhadley.com. And right now, I am going to say a prayer. I place my hand on my heart, and I invite you to do the same and to join with me. Prayers reverberate beyond time and space. And so we're grateful to come together using this technology to transcend time and space, to remember our true nature is perfect love. So when we're being loving, we're activating all of the profound healing assets and attributes of our natural state, our true identity. We are grateful to cultivate that pristine awareness of truth, valuing the truth above all else, above any story we've heard or made up or decided was true. We are grateful to trade that in for the truth. The truth is healing us now. Love is healing us now. We are grateful to share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 So we are in chapter 19, section 4B1. The second obstacle. And the second obstacle is dun, 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 the belief the body is valuable for what it offers. Kind of a mouthful. The belief the body is valuable for what it offers. So, first of all, there is a clue that's very helpful to us. I like to find these clues. They, they are helpful to me. Uh, so the, the first obstacle was the attraction of guilt. The attraction of guilt. That guilt has a magnetic negative attraction. Because like attracts like. So the second obstacle is the belief the body is valuable for what it offers. So knowing these two obstacles when we see them come into our experience, into view and our awareness, we can recognize, oh, these are the main obstacles to peace. So I do not wish to choose them. So whenever there's that temptation to feel guilty or to make someone else feel guilty, to manipulate them through the use of guilt, back away, back away quickly, turn the other cheek, uh, go the other way, uh, make a U-turn, call for help to the higher Holy Spirit self. Whatever you do, intercept that pattern. Now, just one of the most basic things here is we are coming to consciousness. We have come to value things that are not valuable. We have, uh, I think most people, when we start this journey, most of our attention is on negativity. Now I say that, and at the beginning of the year in Masterful Living, when I talk about these things, people automatically get in a... uh, kind of quiet way 
I think, mentally defensive. I, I, I certainly did. When, you know, or I would have if anybody had said this to me. Oh, my God, I would have gotten so defensive. <laughs> I could have written the book on being defensive for sure. I think thoughts like, oh, you don't know me. How could you know all the work I've done? I've been doing this spiritual stuff for 10 years, 20 years. You don't have a clue. You don't, you're lumping me in with all the others. I would have had those thoughts for sure. But nonetheless, most of my thoughts were negative. And that was an eye-opener for me when I was finally willing to realize that. Then I could do something about it. And I just am truly grateful that I was willing to let myself see that. Because I I wasn't for a very long time. So this is how we get to remembering to laugh. Saying, oh my God, I can't believe how negative my thoughts are. Oh my gosh, I am so judgmental. Oh my gosh, I am so attached to that attack. Oh my gosh, I just want to beat them to a pulp with my words and my thoughts. Blame, blame, shame, shame. And my old song, judge, 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 judge. <laughs> and so learning to laugh at just how incredibly attracted I was to the guilt, to the shame, to the blame was really, really helpful to me. So that remembering to laugh is such a good thing. All right. So let's get into this section here and discover and and clearly understand, cognize what this second obstacle is. The belief the body is valuable for what it offers. Jesus writes or says... We said that peace must first surmount the obstacle of your desire to get rid of it. Peace must first surmount the obstacle of your desire to get rid of it. So one of the ways I think of this is that we get to the place where we are more interested in the peace of God than we are in our beliefs, in our thoughts in our condemnations. He writes, Where the attraction of guilt holds sway, peace is not wanted. And that's the truth of it. I've talked about this so many times, that we say we want the peace of God, but we are choosing attack thoughts against ourselves or anyone else. That is the fundamental nature of all conflict in this world, that we say we want the peace of God, but actually, more than that, we'd like to be right. More than that, we'd like to manipulate them. More than that, we'd like to get what we think we want. So therefore, we don't want the peace of God very much. Or in that moment that we're making that choice, that decision to not choose the peace of God, we clearly do not want the peace of God. And just owning that's what we've been doing is super helpful, super helpful. So we've said that peace must first surmount the obstacle of your desire to get rid of it. 
Where the attraction of guilt holds sway, peace is not wanted. The second obstacle that peace must flow across and closely related to the first is the belief that the body is valuable for what it offers. For here is the attraction of guilt made manifest in the body and seen in it. So what I hear is that we manifest in our experience of the body our attraction to guilt. And I can say for myself that not caring for my body, mistreating my body, disrespecting my body, shaming my body, all the things that I have done to the body are a, a, an absolute manifestation of my attraction to guilt. My belief that I was bad, that I was wrong, that I should be punished. That I can see now. So it's taken me a while to be able to see that clearly. I never had anybody really explain that to me. And as we know, in reading A Course in Miracles, sometimes it feels like we're deciphering it, we're decoding it. And the thing is, is the truth is there. It's right there. It's in black and white. And we have our teacher with us at all times. We have Jesus and we have the higher Holy Spirit self. So the only thing that is required in order for us to actually truly recognize and remember what these truths are is the willingness. The willingness. So our journey is a cultivation of willingness. Our journey back to peace is a cultivation of willingness. Our journey back to wholeness, back to joy, back to freedom, back to prosperity, back to creativity and wisdom and clarity and all the good that is pre-installed, our journey back home, like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, we had the power all along. It's our willingness. He goes on to say here, this is the value that you think peace would rob you of. This is the value. So let's, let's just back up here. The second obstacle that peace must flow across is the belief that the body is valuable for what it offers. This is the value that you think peace would rob you of. So there's a, we could call it unconscious, maybe it's not, but there's a belief that peace would rob us of the value of the body. We wouldn't care about the body anymore. We wouldn't feel the same about the body anymore. And if we don't care about the body anymore, and we still think we're identified with the body, even though intellectually we say, I know I'm not a body, we still behave every day and make choices every day throughout our day that indicate we believe we are a body. 
when we say things like, I'm fat, we think we're the body, right? I'm ugly, we think we're the body. Just think of the things that you affirm on a regular basis that affirm your belief that you're a body. Even though intellectually we say, I know I'm not a body. You know, we can get caught, spiritual students can get caught. I sure did for a long time. I got caught in the trap of saying, I know these teachings. I understand these teachings. And what bothered me so much is, if I know these teachings, if I understand them, why am I not joyful? Why am I not happy? Why do I not feel prosperous and free? Why do I not feel whole and complete? Why do I feel something's missing all the time? If I know these teachings, if I truly know them. So it takes humility to say, I have tricked myself into thinking I know these teachings. Just because I know the words and I can say the words, I can understand the thought. I don't actually know it and believe it because I'm not joyful. I'm not happy. I'm not at peace. And if every spiritual teacher would be willing to just say, I'm talking about these things, I'm writing about these things, because I'm interested in knowing them. And so I am on this journey with you to the knowing. I'm not ahead of you, I'm not behind you, I'm beside you. And I'm interested in discovering it together, together. That to me is that realization that I can live in that space of companionship and willingness and humility feels like being able to wear diamond and encrusted, jewel encrusted jewelry (laughs) that I got for free and that I love and that it's beautiful. It's like the best gold and diamonds. It's like the best meal you could ever have. It's the best feeling. It's sitting in the most gorgeous place in nature and and snuggling your your loved ones. (laughs) It's just the best of the best to me to be able to stand in this place of I am willing, I have humility, I am interested, and I have companions in the visible and the invisible. My awareness is expanding. I am letting go of the past. I am determined to see, and it's happening now. It's not in the future. It's now. We're not waiting. We're not doing the lessons and meditating and doing all these things, studying and reading to get there someday. No, right now, I am willing to be here now in this place.
of clarity unfolding. Oh my gosh, that feels so good to me. Okay, (laughs) I could just float away on that that raft of support on the river of love. Okay, so the value that we have put into the body and our identification with the body, the ego intellect believes subtly that if we want peace we're going to have to give that up and we've put so much into it so much we've put so much into the body even if the body is very sick you know I just one of the great things that happens for me every year with my masterful living program is that people have tremendous healing in the body healing of chronic pain and disease and all kinds of illness and discomfort, they have a real true and lasting healing because they're willing to do this work of cultivating the humility and the willingness to say, I get these thoughts intellectually, but I don't actually know them because I'm aware I'm not living the joy, but I'd like to. I'm cultivating my willingness willingness instead. So, Jesus says, this is what you believe, that it would dispossess and leave you homeless. We believe that having the peace of God, such a common thing, we believe that having the peace of God, really opening our mind, our awareness, our life, our body, our whole experience, our relationships to true peace, real joy, wholeness, prosperity, all of that would leave us homeless. We wouldn't be in the the struggle anymore. We wouldn't be in the body anymore. We wouldn't be able to experience the, the pleasure highs of eating a whole plate of fries, or we wouldn't have the pleasures of the the sex that we think is so naughty or the I'm trying to think of things the the guilty pleasures right of being so bad and eating that chocolate or eating that bread I don't think these any of these things are bad but obviously for decades working as a spiritual counselor I've worked with people who are addicted to all kinds of things and it is the guilty pleasure uh, that often will ignite a, an intense addictive pattern. The guilty pleasure. And then, of course, as we traverse this road, there is no pleasure in guilt anymore. That goes away. It becomes a compulsion and no longer a pleasure. A compulsion. And people don't realize that what makes those uh, addictive compulsive patterns so sticky is that it just keeps affirming the guilt, the shame. And that's what's so sticky. All right. 
so rich, right? Just paragraph here. My gosh. Uh, (laughs) He says, and it is this for which you would deny a home to peace. All right, that's what we do. Surely that is what I did. This sacrifice, and sacrifice is in quotes because there is no real sacrifice. This sacrifice you feel to be too great to make, too much to ask of you, that we would give up all these guilty pleasures and whatever it is we think we'd have to give up in order to actually embody the peace of God. Is it a sacrifice or a release? What has the body really given you that justifies your strange belief that in it lies your salvation? What has the body really given you that justifies your strange belief that in it lies salvation? So here's something to contemplate. What are you doing, living your life every day, that you think your salvation lies in something related to the body? Like your salvation lies in being stronger, being more fit, being more attractive, being a a higher weight or a lower weight, or having bigger muscles or bigger breasts or smaller muscles or smaller breasts or whatever it is. What do you, where are you thinking, if you could just accomplish those things with your body, somehow, some way, that would be your salvation. So uh, I'm about to take a break. I'd just like to say, if you're interested in my year-long Masterful Living program, we start on Monday. We start on Monday, and that's the first class. Registration closes Monday, January 23rd. It's a powerful program. Please go and read about it at jenniferhadley.com. You could still book an exploratory call with one of the spiritual counselors. If you have questions, if you're interested, do yourself a giant favor and just consider it. All right, it is time for me to take a break. My name's Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles. I'm so happy to share with you. Yay, we're doing it. We're getting her done. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Yes, here we go. Thanks for sticking around after the break. I I said just before the break, we're getting her done. Quoting Larry the Cable Guy. People love it when I quote that. I remember when I first heard that. Let's get her done. I I thought, that's me. Yes, let's get her done with this spiritual path of awakening. Let's get her done. I I feel a spiritual obligation to get her done. So let's get her done. (laughs) It's happening. It's happening. Now, this is the sixth episode on the obstacles to peace. Wow. 
uh, <laughs> we're only at the second one. We're just starting. So I, I really feel grateful that Spirit led us to this at this time. feel very, very grateful for that. And for those who are listening to this episode newly released, uh, it's January 2023. And what a perfect time to be talking about our challenges with the body and how we hold the body in our awareness, in our mind. So let's get into this. <laughs> I'm just so grateful, really. All right. So this sacrifice uh, of giving up the, the meaning we've made of the body and the investment we have egoically in the body, our attachments to the meaning we've made of the body, all of that we hold on to and find more desirable than peace. Why? Well, I can speak for myself because I didn't actually believe peace was attainable. Now I know, now that I experience it uh, the vast majority of the time, now I understand. I had to do this, what, what he's talking about here, this deciding that peace was more valuable to me than the things of this world. And it's, it's a wonderful shift to make. I highly encourage you to make it. But you see, the egoic belief is, like I was saying before, that if we make this shift and we value peace and love and joy and freedom and wholeness and beauty and clarity and all the spiritual qualities that are the kingdom of God within us, if we value the gifts of God within us, more than the things of this world, we believe that we will have a crappy life, that our life will be like living in a monastery or a nunnery in a cold room on a hard bed, wearing scratchy clothes and having gruel to eat, and we won't be able to talk with anyone, Uh, we won't be able to enjoy anything about life. And nothing could be further from the truth. Because now, the way I live now, uh, I I don't have a lot of money. It doesn't mean I couldn't. It's just I don't have a lot of money. I've been focusing on not on earning money, but on doing this work and helping others to do this work. And I'm totally glad I, I made that decision in my life. And I make it again every day. I'm very aware I could go do other things that would bring me more income. Uh, but I, I'm in a, a transformational process, and I do not wish to interrupt it. And now I, I can eat whatever I'd like. I can do whatever I like, and I don't feel guilty. I don't feel ashamed. I, I, I can say honestly that I generally... I am mostly vegan, but I call myself a flexitarian because while I make my veggie pasta all the time with my lentil pasta that I love, and that's one of my favorite things to have for breakfast, big pile of veggies and lentil pasta, 
I don't want to have it without my Romano cheese. So I'm not really vegan. I'm not really vegan. But I have a lot of vegan meals the rest of the day. And, uh, but a couple of times a month, I'm having a bacon cheeseburger if I feel like it. And if, on the rare occasions that I, I go out to dinner and things like that because of the COVID, right? So I don't go out that much and sit in restaurants. But uh, I, I love to have a steak. Here in Vermont, all the, the meat is grass-fed. I will have a steak. And my body will tell me, so it seems, of course I know it's the mind, but my mind will tell me it's time to have some beef. I don't ever get that with chicken or turkey or fish or any other thing. Not any other thing. Just every now and then I get this signal. Go have some beef. Get some beef. So I have a grass-fed steak. I enjoy it. I might have a glass of red wine with it. But that's so different from how I used to live. I would be compulsively eating and uh, I didn't even want to think about it, how intense and how much energy, focus, time, money, all those compulsive things took from my life and my experience. And I, I believe I mentioned it recently. I know I did, just maybe even the last episode, um, that when I came back from Europe in tw- at the end of 2014... I had gained some weight, and I was feeling chubby, and I didn't like it. My ego didn't like it. And I, I looked in the mirror one time, and I thought, who's that fat person, girl, woman? And, oh, I, I, this is not good. And in the past, my... Ego would have sent me to the gym. You know, reduce, watch what you're eating, exercise. But I said, I'm not taking direction from the ego anymore. I'm not doing that. I am not. And so I said, I'm going to exercise because I enjoy exercise, which I do. I really do. And I'm going to do what I enjoy, and I'm going to find my way with that. And I did actually end up gaining more weight um, and doing, you know, a little up and down probably. And, but I, I did gain more weight. And however, then everything shifted. And I started to realize things about myself, about my experience in the body. And, and I'll, I'll talk more about this in another episode. But, uh, and I, all that weight, I, I released it steadily, healthfully over time. And I'm grateful for that. And I didn't exercise really hard, but I did start to uh, do... Um, changes in my diet because I felt I really that's what I wanted to do I wanted to eliminate these things so I eliminated eggs I eliminated chicken and it's I mean I I feed uh, my cat and my dog chicken 
and I'll get a rotisserie chicken from the market, and I'll feed them some of that chicken. And if I feel like it, I'll eat the chicken wings, because I like chicken wings. But, so I've just moved into a whole nother space of, I'm not attacking myself with food, I'm not punishing myself with food, I'm not withholding what I enjoy. That is not part of my experience anymore. And I can honestly say that it was just a huge part of my experience for the entire rest of my life. And I felt so much shame and guilt and all kinds of things related to what I ate and drank and how I treated my body. And I would obsessively, compulsively exercise. And um, for a time I was bulimic back in my 20s. And I did, I've done a ton of fasting and cleansing, and I still do cleansing every month. And it just, I, I feel like I am, seriously, I feel, have more vitality, and I feel better than I ever remember feeling. And it's not just that I feel better in my experience of my body, like my body feels better. I feel better. I feel the best about my body. I feel like I finally got my body in right perspective. And really getting, I am not my body, but I have a body as a vehicle in this world. And uh, I am, am honoring that vehicle in a way that I, I, never, I never did before. I never did before, but I'm listening to spirit guiding me. I'll give you an example, and then we'll get back to the text here. Uh, I I um, went out to to, to a restaurant. I got some takeout, and um, it was this uh, veggie grain bowl. I don't eat a whole lot of grains, um, but I did get that I thought oh this will be a good thing and then I added a huge amount of spinach and I think I sauteed some onions and I added all that in and then I had some of it uh, and it was good it was good and I had enough for one or two more meals because that's what I'll do is just I think a lot of people do that you get you know enough for a few days uh, at a time. So the next day, I thought oh, I could have that for lunch. No, don't have it for lunch. Have have that that asparagus soup you made. Okay, I'll have that. Uh, and then I'll have the the grain bowl for dinner. No, don't have that. Don't have that. Uh, have this uh, other veggie thing. Okay, all right. I'll cook those veggies and have that instead. And then the next day, the third day, I thought, okay, now I'm going to have that grain bowl. No, don't eat it. Okay. So I ended up throwing it away, even though I had added all the spinach and the onions. And there was a time when I would have made myself eat it for sure. I wouldn't have heard the spirit saying, don't eat it. Why don't eat it? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think it was just that I didn't need the grains. I just stick to the veggies. You know. Now I have grains 
but and I'm not a fanatic about it. I'm not. I don't have an issue with gluten. It's it's just about really being able to be in tune with the guidance, because if we can't listen to don't eat the grain bowl, and now as I'm talking about it, when I looked at the menu in the restaurant, I thought what would be a good choice for me, and I did think, oh, there's a corned beef. Reuben here. I love a Reuben. But do I want a corned beef Reuben? I love corned beef, but I just got, no, no. If you get that, you really, you won't want to eat it. Okay, so I didn't get that. And then I, I, the only other thing I saw on the menu that kind of stood out to me was this grain bowl. And I could see now that from an egoic perspective, it was like that would be the healthiest thing to get. Not because I really had a, an interest in it, not because I um, wanted it, had a taste for it. I was looking for something that would be healthy to eat. But I had no real yearn for it. I had no desire for it. No craving for sure, but I had no, just like no spark. There was no spark. There was no spark for anything on that menu. And I could have just left it. And I had that thought, just leave it. You don't need to get anything. Oh, but, you know, be nice to have a prepared meal. I don't have to cook a meal for myself. Okay, so I got it. Live and learn. That is the story of my life. I'm living, I'm learning every day. It's all part of getting her done. <laughs> so back to the text. This sacrifice you feel to be too great to make, too much to ask of you. So the sacrifice of, oh, I if I want to, uh, I want to go out and and relieve the pressure in my mind. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to have a an indulgent meal at a favorite restaurant, and I'm going to drink, and I'm going to have dessert and cocktails, and wine, and I'm going to do it up fine, right? That I used to do that all the time, for sure. Friday night, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> I deserve it. This is my reward. I made it through this week. I used to do that, for sure, for sure, for sure. I grew up in my family uh, when I was a little kid, from the earliest days I can remember, we went out to dinner on Friday night, every Friday night. My parents were both teachers. Uh, my mom went back to work. Um, oh, I don't know how old I was, maybe four or five. And um, I uh, remember we would go, and when I was a little, little kid, we went out to McDonald's. And if times were good, we went to Baskin-Robbins afterwards. And then as my parents had a little more money, we would go to like a family-style Italian restaurant and, and have, have that. And um, so we just always went out to dinner on Friday night, as long as my parents were working at jobs like that. We did that. Uh, and... So in my mind, you reward yourself on Friday night by going out and having a meal 
and cocktails and dessert and things like that. And I, and it's, it's a nice thing to do. It's a nice, it certainly was nice for our family to do it. Felt like a treat, felt like something special and we enjoyed our time together. And I'm very grateful for all of that. So, however, that indulge myself, let me have a really rich, all that meal. I'm just, as I'm talking about this, I don't do that because that kind of indulgent meal, nothing wrong with it, but I, I, I don't feel good after. So that to me would not be a reward, would not be a reward. So going out for a healthy meal and without alcohol, that could be a reward. But truly, a reward is to stay home, to have friends over, to cook a meal for people I love. That feels like a reward to me. That feels like a a bonus. And everything is healthy. There's no, um, oh, you know, stuff in the the meal that isn't going to do well in my body. So yay, yay, just that I can allow myself to shift and change. But this is so important to understand right here. What he's saying is we have this firm belief in the ego thought system that If we choose the peace of God, we will live a deprived life. And we don't want to live a deprived life. Because we already feel deprived because we believe we're separate. And because so often in our life we have punished ourselves because we feel guilty. And the way we punish ourselves is to deprive ourselves to deprive ourselves of love, to deprive ourselves of compassion, to deprive ourselves of joy, of freedom, of prosperity and abundance and wholeness and harmony and creativity and wisdom and clarity and all these experiences we could have had uh, of these expressions of the spiritual qualities within us. So we already feel deprived, and all we have left is the lasagna. All we have left is the, trying to think of indulgent meals, the, uh, I don't know, whatever it is, Taco Bell, I don't know. (laughs) The creme brulee, creme brulee. I love creme brulee, but when I think about having it, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I could have a spoonful and be satisfied with that. It's a miracle to me. It's an, a true blue miracle to me that my mind would have shifted like this. And this is what I, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. It's just I'm so freed up from all the machinations of the egoic thoughts about I should eat this, I shouldn't eat that, don't do that, oh, you're bad, you're bad. And um, yeah. Uh, I I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I started watching, I couldn't watch it anymore, a TV show called, I think it's called Physical. I want to say it's on Hulu. 
and it was about the beginning of the aerobics movement, and the main character was this woman who was motivating herself all day by calling herself a fat pig and things like that. And, of course, she's actually skinny. Skinny. So, motivation with hatred, with attack, not not how I live anymore. And we, we can change that. It's a miracle to me. Of course it's a miracle. And we are entitled to miracles. So, is it a sacrifice to give those things up? All the pain and suffering that we perpetuate with all that? Or is it a release? This is what Jesus is asking us to contemplate. He says, what has the body really given you that justifies your strange belief that in it lies salvation? That if we could just get the body to do what the bo- we want the body to do, then we'll be happy, then we'll be free, then we'll be peaceful. He says, do you not see that this is the belief in death? Here is, no, we don't see that, of course. But when we're living in that way, uh, afraid to eat the pastry or uh, feeling guilty and ashamed because we had sex or any of these kinds of things, then we are living in this It's like a living death, isn't it? We're not really living. We think we are. We're having sensual experiences, taste, touch, smell, etc. But it's not really living. I feel like I'm really living now and that I was just on hold before. Yeah, it's interesting. He says, here is the focus of the perception of atonement as murder. So this is where we have this unconscious belief, let's just call it that for now, that, or an un, yeah, I'll just call it that, (laughs) that if we go for atonement, if we go for awakening, if we truly realize our spiritual identity, it will be murder of the ego, the personality, what we think is real. But, of course, that's not the truth. He says, here's the source of the idea that love is fear. The Holy Spirit's messengers are sent far beyond the body, calling the mind to join in holy communion and be at peace, in holy communion with all that is, and be at peace. Such is the message that I gave them for you, the Holy Spirit's messengers. The Holy Spirit's messengers are with us all the time. They are the messengers of love, the uh, still small voice that speaks to us and reminds us to be loving. And On that note, it's time for me to close up here. So 
Masterful Living begins on Monday. All the details at jenniferhadley.com. I'm so grateful and thankful to share this prayer with you. We are blessing the whole world with our holiness. We're letting go of the past. We're letting go of the guilt, the shame, the blame. We're rising up. We're setting ourselves free. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be. And so it is. 